Welcome to Fit for Duty, Fit for Life. My name is Coach JC, and I am your coach. Each week, we bring you an inspiring, winning story, an empowering, motivating, winning word so that you can be your best and win more in life. Thank you for joining us today, and now it's time for you to be fit for duty and fit for life. All right, guys, what's going on? This is Coach JC, and you are listening to the Fit First Responder podcast, Fit for Duty and Fit for Life. I am here in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the headquarters today, and I am joined by a special guest that is down in Dallas, Texas, and I'm about to introduce him in just a minute. I'm super excited. You guys are going to enjoy today's podcast. We have a lot of cool things coming for you today. But if you are listening, the chances are that you are the finest, the bravest, the baddest, and the toughest. So first of all, we want to thank you from the bottom of our heart for everything that you do. You are a hero in our book as a first responder. We now have over 46 different agencies tuning in live every single week to FFRonline.tv and to listen to this podcast. So we feel honored. We feel blessed. Man, you know who I am. I'm Coach JC, just a guy from Jersey, just a great American, a strength coach, a performance coach, the coach to many of our nation's finest and bravest, and just a guy that believes that our heroes need to be honored and need to be recognized, and just a guy that believes that you need to be equipped to be your best on and off the job, and that's what this podcast is all about. So if you're a frequent listener, you do know how we kick off every podcast, and it is with our winning confession. If it is your first time listening, we believe at FFRonline.tv that just like you train your body, you train your mind, and that's why we use our winning confession. So if you're first time, bear with me. All of our repeat listeners, you know what you got to do. Here's your winning confession. Repeat after me. Today is my day. No one will get in my way of me being the best version of me. I am here on purpose. I have a purpose. I am strong. I am passionate. I am powerful. I am unstoppable. I am a winner. I am fearless. I choose faith. And last but not least, you are fit for duty. You are fit for life. All right, we want to welcome you once again to the Fit for Duty, Fit for Life podcast. And without further ado, I want to welcome our guest from the one and only Dallas, Texas. We have Mr. Frederick Frazier. Mr. Frederick Frazier, how are you, boss? How are you doing today? Man, I am living the dream, man. We are super stoked and excited that you took the time to, uh, to bless us and be on our podcast today. Well, uh, thank you for having me, and uh, thank all those listeners that are, that are tuning in at this time. Absolutely. And if you are not familiar with Frederick Frazier, you know, I've got to learn a little about him on our pre-call and and looking at his bio. And he is the first vice president of the Dallas Police Association. And he is also a 21 year veteran with the Dallas Police Department and and is currently the chairman of the Assist the Officer Foundation, ATO, which you and me will learn more about today on this podcast. And I'm super excited so we're just going to call you Frazier because that's what you said you go by in Dallas. So is that okay, boss? That's perfect for me. 
Awesome, and, and, I, and I learned a little about you that you were featured a little on the, on the show, the first 48, and I was telling you, ironically, we have an officer in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that his name is Matt Fraser, and he, we call him Fraser as well, so what a small world, two Frasers, so uh, man, we're, we're super excited to have you, and here's what I do want to do, I want to give you the opportunity right now to connect with the listeners, you know, we have first responders listening from all over our, our nation and our country, but now, actually, all over the world, we have listeners from Canada uh, tuning in and, and other nations. And I would just like to give you the opportunity, Mr. Frederick Frazier, to introduce yourself. Who are you? What are you about? How did you become a police officer? And why do you do what you do? So the floor is yours, sir. Well, uh, like I said again, Coach JC, thanks for having me. Uh, it's an honor to be on the show. I know that a lot of first responders listen to this. Uh, and you know, and, and first responders are the only ones that are going to understand the way we live and, and us and our families, uh, we're different animals. And when I say we're different animals with different sleeping, different eating habits, uh, are all different. And, and it takes an officer to know an officer, our first responder to know a first responder and especially their families that have to deal with the unique conditions that we work in. Um, I've been here for 21 years. I got hired in 95. I came straight out of college. Uh, it was the first job I got, and I went straight to the streets in Oak Cliff. Back then when, when I came on, you know, the, the question was often asked, uh, why did you want to come out of college and co come straight from college and, and go into law enforcement? Um, I don't know what is the calling that we have to serve, because all the officers that you talk to, or most you do, are going to have the like same answers. It's, it's something that, that, that pushed you in that direction. Uh, I was pushed early on uh, with a neighbor that I grew up with, uh, a first responder family that was next to us. Uh, my family was military, uh, and it just gravitation was easier that way. In college, uh, it, things change. You become, you, it, everything is a little more unique with the individuals you're around. Uh, and law enforcement usually not top of the list. So uh, when I went uh, to join the department, uh, not very many of my friends ever even thought of that as an option. Uh, it's still to this day the, the close friends that I have from that, my college uh, and my grade, I'm the only one. And, and it's just a calling. You know, we, we was at a deal the other day with the chief, and he said nine out of every ten applicants are denied here in Dallas. Wow. So it, sh it shows you that the numbers are very, very low. Uh, and, and, that's, and that's another thing every, every time I think about it. When I, even when I, when I got on or tried out to come on, uh, there was only two of us out of hundreds of people that were down there doing the, the physical fitness part, the psychological part, and just the aptitude part. And, and out of all those hundreds, there was two of us that came out of there. So you got to think of how much time and resource it takes to actually get an officer hired uh, in most places across our country. Um, well, my function, my day-to-day -day function here uh, on the department is uh, over at the U.S. Marshal Service, uh, fugitive investigations. and We do them all over the North Texas region. Uh, and then but my side jobs, which is I call a job, uh, is uh, running our police organization here as the first vice president in my duties. And then uh, we have a charity that we run out of here that we started in 1999 uh, because we saw the need uh, for helping officers uh, where the city or the state or uh, other, you know, citizens 
there was nowhere there was no way to help these officers that were injured, killed, uh, or just had some uh, some issues they were dealing with, and they didn't want to go through uh, the programs that the city had to offer uh, because they were terrified of termination or the, the the morale issue that it would cause for people to find out that they were, uh, you know, seeking uh, help. Uh, so we started the program in 99. Uh, I've been the chairman of it for majority of its, of its, of its time. Uh, our first chairman was killed in a uh, car accident, hit by a drunk driver on, after leaving a speaking engagement. Uh, and so we have carried the torch for Bill since then, and we have uh, we've raised uh, before before the seven seven incident that we had here in Dallas last summer. Uh, we'd raised over a million dollars and given out of over a million dollars. Uh, we have no paid employees. Uh, it, the office is run by volunteers, and majority of us just come in when we have some free time and take the applications for the people that put them in. And we uh, get the money out and the proceeds or the help that they need as fast as we can. Wow, man. That is amazing, Fraser. We appreciate all you're doing. Thanks for sharing. I mean, we're going to get more into the, uh, the, the the charity because that's super intriguing to me. And some of the things you said, I know there's first responders listening, that can resonate. Um, but you said you started out in Oak Cliff, Texas. Is that what you said? Yep. Started yeah. out in Oak Cliff in 95. And in 95... Oak Cliff was still coming off uh, the crack academic. So you had the, the, the tail end of the 80s still pushing hardcore dope through Oak Cliff and southern sectors of Dallas. Uh, so it was a very violent time. Uh, I was coming, off, coming out of college in uh, and, and, and a sheltered environment and then thrown into uh, basically a completely different uh, uh, area of individuals that had a different complete mind thought of what they wanted to do to you every day. Man, you know, I grew up, you know, uh, Frazier in New Jersey, and you might have heard of a couple areas. Obviously, Newark, New Jersey um, is where I was born. It's a pretty rough area. People, you know, they made an old movie back in the day, New Jersey Drive. It was the auto theft capital of the world back in the day. And then there's another area, Camden, New Jersey, which is a really rough area. But if you're yeah. a listener listening, man, I, I actually spent some time in Oak Cliff. I mean, it's funny you said that. I, I, I've been blessed and privileged to train some athletes and, and, and at all different levels, but been, been blessed and privileged to work with some pro athletes. And I had a pro athlete that I've worked with for years that's from Oak Cliff, Texas. And I was not – actually not too recently, uh, long ago, I was down there, you know, um, and we spent some time – what was the breakfast place we had at uh, Oddfellas in South, yeah. in South Oak Cliff? And I was, I was so intrigued – on how far it has come. And that little district now, I'm like, man, they're doing some really cool things, the art district. and But people that are listening, man, if you've never been there, when, when you're talking about back in the day, man, that was a rough, rough area. <laughs> so that's, that's, oh, that's a way to get yeah. you to start, man. It's a, it's a rough area. When you, when you would come on work, it really didn't matter which shift you were hitting uh, because there was pages of calls holding. And, and when you got there and you answered a call that had been holding for four, five, six hours, wow. these people were pissed. Yeah. And, I mean, there's, and, 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 and it's an area of attitude because you've got uh, homegrown uh, folks that are, are here. They're very proud. And so the attitude, it's like I'm from Oak Cliff. So 
you've got that, and they already got that attitude registered. And officers that are listening, they understand that there's areas and regions where you work that no matter what, they're going to have an attitude. And you can't change it because it's part of the territory. Uh, Oak Cliff, to this day, is an unbelievable place. And the reason it's gotten to where it's changed uh, since the day that I've, and, 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 I'll, and, I'll, and officers will tell you, that it's gotten, it's, it's, it's in a better place than it's been in a very, very long time. And, and it took, what, what it took, it took officers to do that. And these politicians and these businessmen can all break their arms and own backs, uh, saying they did the work to make this place. But the officers did it because they made it safe. Absolutely. And and that's how places change. Areas have to change by public safety. If you don't have the basic utensils of of public safety, you're not going to be able to do what you want to do to develop an area. And that area, and if you've been there recently, you've seen, like, you're like, wow, this is a really neat area. You've got folks moving. Home prices in Oak Cliff are at an all-time high yeah. where, where you couldn't even get, you couldn't give away some property down there. And, and now you've got families moving in, uh, uh, corporations that have moved around that area. It's changed so much. Uh, and it makes you proud. I know it makes our officers proud when they see areas like, like that, that we hit hard for a decade or so. And, and you know what? And we had, there's a lot of blood on the ground and our own blood. And, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of officers that are, that are dead because of the areas that we had to change. You know, yeah. Dallas has, Dallas has lost 84 officers in its history. Wow. 14 of those officers have been killed since I've been hired. So, I've been to 14 funerals of guys that I know, families I know, their children who know mine. Wow, man. Well, you so know, let's, it, puts, let's, it puts it in perspective. It does. And let, let's let's dive in. With, let's stay where we're at right now because I think this is important. Our message that we preach is being fit for duty and fit for life. It's not a mistake right now uh, to say that our nation is at, you want to say, the worst times it's been in years from a crime rate. I mean, you have criminals crazier than ever. People just are doing ridiculous things. And then, obviously, you know, you being from Dallas on the police force, we had the 7-7 attack, which you mentioned earlier, with the Dallas sniper attack, where five officers were killed. Am I correct? That was a five? It was five. Yeah. So uh, if, if there's a first responder listening, everybody heard about that and what went down. So let's stay there for a second because – and here's why. We, we actually had a video come out in Tulsa not too long ago. It was on a national television show. It was um, Live PD. That was the show. There's a new show that's on, and you, you've probably heard of it if you're listening. And it featured police officers live on the scene. And we had uh, you know, uh, two criminals in Tulsa, actually three criminals in Tulsa, where they got in a wrestling match with a couple of the officers here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And – it was the officers were celebrated because they didn't have to pull their guns and they wrestled for a duration of time. And the criminal at the moment, on you can see it on camera, is going to pull his weapon. He had a gun and he's going to pull the gun. And we're sitting there watching this and we're saying that is why we do what we do. That's why Fit First Responders was created. That's why there's now over 46 different agencies logging on every single day to do their part to be fit for duty, fit for life. You cannot control when some crazy is just going to pull a gun and go out just killing officers. But 
let's stay there for a second because I think it's important to talk about that. And with, when this situation happened, 7-7, seven, seven, what was your role on that? I mean, obviously, you're high-ranking in Dallas police. What was your position? What was your role? Where were you when this all went down? Well, you know, the funny part is is that, uh, well, it's not the funny part. It's the ironic part. We just got done with the Trump protest uh, two weeks prior to this, or maybe it was a week. It was, it was in a matter of days. And we just got done with that protest and where we controlled it. We worked it. We had our snipers up. We put, a, we put areas where they could go, where they couldn't go, mounted units, reaction team. We had every team in the world. I worked the crowd as uh, I was, I was uh, finding troubled individuals or igniters, uh, folks that just couldn't help themselves. But uh, but just to, to get the crowd riled up, and it, and as soon as they did, at some point we pulled them, and and had a discussion uh, because we knew that the crowd could get out of hand pretty fast. Yeah. Then you have the seven seven incident, where it it, it it was one of those where it just it, it it was it wasn't like scheduled. It just spawned. Right. You've got individuals that that spark these things. Uh, and, and the one individual has the group here, and, and it's for his own benefit, not for the public. But he spawns these things out of control. And and uh, anyway, so he, he put this thing together on a whim, got everybody down here. Well, I follow a lot of social media. And when I was following the Twitter feed that had some of the movement on there, I sent to the team that I'm on, is anybody else watching this? send it to some of the chain of command is anybody else watching this and immediately our reaction was like this is getting ugly uh because we there was individuals in the crowd with ak's uh uh and and other assault style rifles walking and 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 it didn't look good one downtown dallas uh two our officers not prepared or not notified or not ready and so response teams were called to the area, and, and, and immediately as they were responding to the area, the, you know, the individual, the suspect, pulled up, jumped out, heavily, heavily armed, uh, and, 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 and severely sophistication, uh, sophisticated uh, body armor comes out and starts, and starts tearing through our guys yeah. and, the, and the crowd and everyone else. Well, that, by that time, I was already traveling. The word comes out. I made it downtown. Uh, the, there was still shooting going on when I got downtown. Uh, but our guys, uh, but, he had, but the, the target had now been held up, up in, the, in the college, and they had him like kind of in a trap location. So all of our guys that were down were heading to hospitals. Um, I immediately responded to Parkland. Uh, our guys started coming in right when I pulled in. At the same time, one of the squad cars came in with one of the wounded officers driving, uh, a female that has just got off training, mm. and she had been shot twice. Car shot up, and one of the officers that was down was in the back seat, and our, and and her and her car came in with flat tires because they'd been shot out, and she drove that from downtown to Parkland. Wow, uh, and. You know, we all know from there what happened. You know, officers were attacked. They were hit with, they were hit with rifle rounds that penetrated their, their, uh, you know, their armor, and it was just too much for them to bear. Um, and my role at that point is to try to figure out 
which family needs the most help, how, how, who all do we have here, and to put the team together. Uh, and when I say the team, this now, now I'm not going with the team that I work on. Now I'm going with the team uh, for our ATO. And, and how is this going to affect law enforcement uh, for the rest of the country? Well, it had a direct effect because Baton Rouge happens a few weeks later. Yeah. And, in, and you know, you had spinoffs. Did copycats, yeah, and 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 that's what happens when you have that because it because and you had an administration at the time uh, from the White House down that was very uh, pro uh, protest and not pro law enforcement, and I can say that because I've seen I've seen an administration before that was pro police and and anti protest. And, 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 it, and, it, and it helps us survive. And when you have it the other way around and you, kind of, and you kind of allow folks to do whatever they want, lawlessness goes inside of that. And, and that's exactly what happened here. You had a lot of lawlessness. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it's, it was just part of what, it's, what we were seeing across the country. For whatever reason, it happened in Dallas. It seems like, it seems like we're known for having some type of tragedy from here to there. Uh, you know, no, and it, and it happened again here. We had five officers go down in the middle of downtown, uh, you know, and unfortunately, and it's super, I mean, it's, it's, you hate that that happened, but it, it turned the corner for us. And, and when I say it may turn the corner for us, it, it, it took, it, it made the citizens of America stand up. Yeah. It, it, it made people mad, Right. So it made like a lot of people really mad. Yeah. And, and when and when people get mad, their change is usually right behind that. And instead of us standing behind them, they pushed us forward. And those those the citizens that 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 needed. And and then it just it was a really neat movement because they were tired. They weren't going to take it anymore. They took the gloves off law enforcement. And, and, and you, and since then the gloves have been off, um, officers are starting to go back to work. They're, they're doing the things that they were not allowed to do during that administration time. Uh, we still have challenges. We still have stigmas. Uh, we still have, we still have officers that some officers that shouldn't be officers. Uh, but that's, that's part of life. You got people that are working at IBM right now that shouldn't work for IBM. So it, that just comes with a with an employee employer relationship, um, and so you know we we raised for the families we raised ten point two million dollars uh, during that time. We still got money trickling in uh, that have come from different companies, and and we set up uh, trust for all the families, uh, uh, so they can their their legacy of their loved one can be lasting for a very long time. Uh, they did, they're not forgotten. And, and uh, the officers here and, and the residents here in, in, uh, in Dallas, Texas, uh, we thank a lot of our first responders. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I appreciate you sharing that story and being so transparent. You know, it's kind of cool. We actually, when all this went down, we had one of our law enforcement officers from the Tulsa area. Uh, he's actually with the county, the sheriff's department. He said, man, I want to do something really cool. He said, I want to raise money for the Dallas uh, families 
of the police officers, and it was your organization, it was ATO, that he put together a race through our nonprofit to raise money, and he got some of our first responders from all different agencies, police, fire, medics, National Guard, to go out and have people sponsor them to compete in a race, and then they raised money for the actual ATO for the families. So I think that's really cool. Obviously, it, it, it wasn't just local in Dallas, but it, it caught on nationally, and you, not only the headline of what happened, but what ATO is doing and continues, do, continues to do for the officers and the families. So we commend you for that. We thank you for that. And I want to stay there for a second because here's, what, here's what's important, and I want to hear your input on this, Frazier, is you can't control what happens to you in life. And you guys had no control over this guy making a decision to come out and kill police officers on that day. You don't have control about people wanting to start protests and, and do what they do and, and, and cause riots. But the thing that we always preach at FFR and we tell people, Frazier, is you better be in the best physical and mental shape ready. So mental conditioning, physical conditioning. So when that call comes, because now you have this situation that happens in Dallas and all of a sudden, you know, I've been blessed and privileged to spend a lot of time within, you know, different agencies and, and, and personal development and, and, and performance coaching to a lot of our, you know, SWAT teams and SOT teams and, you know, different rankings and, and, and different agencies. But I, I know this for a fact that when that heightens, I'm not a police officer, but it, coaching many of them, when that happens at that split time decision, all of a sudden your adrenaline's going Man, sometimes you try to, man, what's the, even trying to remember the training that you were trained on, you're just trying to make moves and make things happen. So I want you to talk from that perspective for a second, the importance, dealing with what you dealt with in Dallas, of first responders to constantly be ready when the call comes physically and mentally prepared in doing their part. So when that call comes, they're ready. Talk to us, talk to us for a minute about why that's important and your perspective. Well, and, and it's, you know, we have a deal in our gym that says, you know, uh, train, train every day because this guy is. And it shows a guy, uh, you know, a gangbanger thug that's just all built. And, uh, and, and it, and it, kind of, it, it has to take a meaning, right? So it's got to, why is, why is your mental health have to be at, 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 at a, at an area of reaction? And where, why does your body have to be tuned like an athlete for reaction? And it, 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 there has to be a balance, right? So you've got to, and, and the one thing that, that we here, we, we, we have a counseling program that we have officers in because we understand the mental health aspect is just as, is just as, as strong as the, the physical fitness part. Uh, because you can get out of a car or go in a restaurant and, and walk in and see three or four cops sitting together and there's, there's one or two and you're going, I, I could take that guy. Good luck. Go try. That guy's going to grab you like a bear. Yeah. And I don't care what they look like or, or, or what you think they look like, those officers. They're, 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 they're machines. Officers have horrible sleeping habits. They, uh, they, they, whether they, you think they work out or not, they all train and if, if, if they put on some weight, some of us, yeah, I don't look like the same guy I did when I got out of the academy and, 
and it's this job wears you down. Uh, I mean, the hours, especially of a young officer, you'll work yourself to death just to try to make ends meet. When I got married and uh, we started having children, I was like, there's no way this is going to cut it. I'm going to have to pick up not only a second or third extra job, a fourth for the week. And I would work overtime and jobs all week long to cover on top of my shift work. So that's what officers do. They do it all across the country. And they have to. But but with, with that comes that that mental and physical breakdown. And and the things like your program, like the Fit for Duty, they they mean something. They they you can see that that is uh, an area of concern, uh, not only for our current officers, but like our retirees. Though when as soon as they leave here, they are so hell bent spent out that they have thirty plus years of dealing with these streets have just worn them plumb out. Yeah, and the, and our city, uh, and the, our city is probably no, no different than most cities across this country. They suck. They're horrible at trying to, to help those first responders. You were just a number. And, and if, if people need to realize that when, when they go to work for a city, you are just a number. They, you, they're going to use you until they, can, until, until they can get what they need out of you and what they want and give you a plaque and, tell you, and send you out to pasture. Wow. And that's just the truth. Uh, because you're going to have a whole set of different mayors the time you're working for a city, a whole a whole time, uh, a whole set of gen, uh, city managers and city council members, and every time you get a whole new set of all of those, they're, they're they're all they're looking out for is them. Yeah, man, you said some powerful things in there, man. I appreciate you sharing that, Fraser. And I think one of the things that, that is important that you said is the job can take a toll on you, and it does. And, and obviously, you know, police officers are training and, and they're keeping their skills up, but sometimes the job just takes a toll on you, and all of a sudden, it starts to affect your personal life, your physical state, oh, yeah. right? Your mental state, your emotional state, your, your, your marriage, your relationships, your finances. And we say something really, when I go into agencies and, and, and departments, I think... Uh, I'm not in it really looked at as an outsider anymore, but I'm an outsider because I am not a first responder. But the thing that I push so hard and I've got a ton of respect for doing is the personal development side of stuff. And my mission is simple at FFRonline.tv and our mission and our team and our coaches and, and, and all of our, our, our people that volunteer is we want to provide all the tools that first responders need now and not wait. Don't wait until a first responder commits suicide. Don't wait until another marriage is broken. Don't wait until you go through another mayor and uh, the, the city sucks, like you said, and first responders are just a number. Our philosophy is let's personally develop. Let's be proactive right now in developing the best first responders. Yes, the best police officers. Yes, skill and tactical-wise, but what about the best human beings first? What about giving Frazier, and, and it doesn't matter the ranking, from major to rookie, a captain, a chief, what about developing the human being first? And I think what you said is important is sometimes it looks like a city doesn't care, and it looks like you're just a number. And you might be listening right now saying, man, Frazier's speaking the truth. I hear what he's saying, man. That's my city. 
Well, my encouragement and what we're doing in Tulsa is I'm pushing doors open. I'm saying, you know what? If the city's not going to do it, so be it. You know what, Mayor? Here's fit first responders. And we're going to provide the tools necessary so that our first responders not only are taken care of from a job perspective, but that they're taken care of from a personal perspective. So you know what? We'll keep training them on the job, and, and the departments and agencies are going to do that. But we're going to step in and fill the gaps where the city and the administration may not be. And we're going to say, you know what? You might be a Frazier, and, and, and you're doing so many things on the force, but I want to let you know we care about you as a human being first. So how's your marriage? How's your mental state? How's your emotional state? Because you said something that's important, Frazier. You said through the um, through through the, the charity that you guys are say, are, are are helping uh, police officers with is police officers are terrified of termination. They're they're terrified of of the morale and what another first responder might think if they say, "Well, you don't know. I had to go to the therapist and tell the therapist I'm depressed." Man, what's my brother? What's my sister going to think? What's the city's going to take? They're, they're going to take my gun. So so I think you said some stuff that's powerful. But what is your thought in saying, "Hey"? Let's develop the human being like our agency and our, our department at Fit First Responders is doing. And let's spend just as much time on developing Frazier as a man and being his best just as he is as a police officer. Talk to me about that for a second. Well, and, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a huge issue we have is, 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 is making the officer uh, the everyday citizen, right? Or a better, a better husband, a better, a better father. A better neighbor, you know, it's it's a it's a hard it's a hard switching gears. You, you got you're in a squad car going, you know, the speed of light you feel like, and 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 then you're fighting a guy, you're in a foot chase, uh, or you're in, in one of our other areas, and you're blowing through a door, and you're going in with these guys and all these guns, and you're you're doing the things that you see on TV, right? And then you walk back out of that role, you change in the locker room, you get in your car, and you walk in the door at home. And the kids yeah. are screaming, the house is a mess, the wife's, you know, is stressed out. And, and now you've, 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 you've de-escalated the thing at, at work and lived, and now you come home, and now you have to, you have to go from de-escalating the incident or what's happening at home. And, and, it, and it becomes an issue. And it's an everyday issue, though, uh, but it's it's an everyday issue for an officer. Yeah, and and it's and it's tough. Our our divorce rate is one of the highest in the country. We're above seventy percent. You're saying in Dallas, and Dallas, Texas, wow, Dallas, please. Man. And we have an enormous divorce rate. Um, we have a big turnover rate right now. We have a big, big morale problem, uh, and and you've got and we're fighting a pension crisis. So you've got all these issues that are compounding and work and that are, and then you go home and you, you got to, whatever's going on at home that just magnifies it and you got to take it back to work. So building that perfect officer, it's, it's almost like finding a unicorn, right? So it, it's almost non-existent. You just, you can just do your best to make it better. Um, we had four years ago, maybe it was five. Uh, we had, um, Three officers commit suicide in eighteen months. Wow, man! So, Sorry to hear that. so we had, so we had to look at what we were doing wrong. What were we doing wrong to not get those three officers some help? And the one thing we have to, we spent a whole campaign on this, uh, going to stations, going to details, uh, sitting with administration, going through the program 
that the city put together, which is still to this day crap. And going through to see why that they could not get the help that they needed. And the one thing we found out is, is that nobody was putting stock in it. No one cared. Uh, they didn't care enough to, 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 to find a fix. Every time that this would come up for some type of peer counseling through the city, well, they would put a, a good guy over the program. Within six months, they transfer that guy and put another good guy. Well, that guy is, didn't take as much stock in as the next, so the program fell flat on its face. Uh, so we upped our program here. We invested a lot more money into it with our fundraising mechanisms, i.e. runs, golf tournaments, you know, however we do it, or crawfish bowl. We got all kinds of lists of things that we do all year long. And we doubled our efforts uh, on the counseling. Uh, the counseling, not only did it double, it tripled that year. And what we realized is there's a lot of people that needed to talk to somebody. Yeah. And... And we had a lot of, and another thing we did at the same time is that we opened our counseling program to the families, not just to the officer. It's awesome, man. So, it's huge. So the, so the family could now go as a unit uh, and not as an individual. Uh, because when you put it, when you send an officer to the, to the, to a, to a sink or a psych or whatever you want to call it, and we don't send them, it's all ours is confidential, right? They go online, they find them. They go, there's a code that's used. We, we have no idea that uh, Frederick Frazier or Coach JC went. All we do is get an invoice back from our counseling program that uh, there were so many sessions and so much time. And, and so when we, so if, you, if an officer was just going, what we were finding out after we uh, interviewed, went back and re-interviewed the counselors that we had on staff at that time, they were all saying, that the officer comes in there and tells them what they want to hear. And that it's always like the wife's problem, or it's always the boss's problem. Yeah. It's always the kid's problem. It's never the officer's problem. So when we, when we offered them to go with their families, and it actually didn't even offer, we encouraged them to take the families with them. And we had another program we started at the same time with our spouses group. And when we did that, they would go and then they could get into their confrontation inside the room. And there's a lot of things that were getting worked out at the time, according to our counselors, that they were finally getting through the bullshit and they were getting to the bottom. And that's where, that's where it was all at. It was at the bottom. And because our, our officers are no different than any human in the world. They are going to never admit fault. And they're going to say that everything's this other person's problem. And it's Absolutely. usually the, the person they're living with. Yeah. That's huge, man. You're talking about taking responsibility. I respect and admire you guys and what you're putting together there in Dallas. Three suicides in 18 months. Man, and the investment you're making in your police officers is amazing. I think other cities might be listening right now, and they might be beaten up right now saying, man, you know, Fraser speaking to me, man. My, 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 my life's not where I want it to be. My life seems a little messed up. Uh, I don't feel like I'm getting invested in, um, you know, from the department, the agency, the, the administration, the mayor, whatever it may be. And I want to challenge you right now if you're listening, you know, just like Frederick Fraser did and these guys in Dallas, is take an initiative to make and create change. And I, 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 you know, you might be listening right now. Well, Coach JC, that's easy for you to say, man. I listen to your podcast and you're motivational. And, man, you, you, you might have been even interacted with me at your department. Throughout. We might have crossed paths. 
And, and you might not feel it right now, but change is driven by the power to believe. And sometimes you might not believe it. You might not have the faith. Things might not look like they're going to work out. And here's my encouragement. Just like they did in Dallas, take crazy, ridiculous action. Go out and fundraise. Put an initiative together. Make the investment in your guys. And that's what we're doing at FFROnline.tv. I mean, 70% divorce rate, it's ridiculous. But you know what? Oh, yeah. I can sit here and tell you that that's, 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 that's a little higher, but that's normal throughout the communities and first responders. And I think a lot of first responders, they finally have accepted something like that as normal. And I've heard them, and I've talked to them where they say, Coach, man, you just don't understand. It's just normal in the fire world. I mean, it's just normal. And, and, and the personal development that I'm talking about says, hey, let's not be a statistic. Let's be proactive instead of reactive, you know, like you guys are doing now and saying, hey, now we're going to have programs in place for not only the police officer but the families. And let's start to do things that are going to help produce results. And and before we do move on and talk a little about the charity, you, you know, I just feel led to, to share something really quick. If you're listening right now and you're a first responder, you might be listening and saying, man, what Frederick Frazier's talking about is resonating with me. Man, I feel like maybe it's divorce, maybe it's suicide, maybe it's just you don't feel valued, you don't feel important, you don't know what your identity is, you don't have faith in your life right now, you don't have any hope or belief. I want to encourage you to do what I just told you to do, and here's why. You know, I, there's nobody in the world that, that believes more in, in the power of the mind and mental conditioning. I, I wrote five books on that and visualization and, and, and all that's awesome. I believe in that. And I believe the mind's a powerful thing. And, and, and focus is a powerful thing. You know, if you focus on being fat and, and depressed and sad and, and not getting the promotion, you know what? Your actions will follow. Whatever you focus on is what you act on, what you go and get. Your actions follow your focus. But if you're listening today and you say, coach, man, I need a little change in my life. Frazier, I need a little change in my life. I want to encourage you once again. Change is driven by the power of belief and faith. But there are some times where you don't have the faith, you don't have the belief, and sometimes the work, the action must come first. You have to work and do the work and say, you know what? Faith plus the action is going to create the result. So after you get the result, then you start believing a little more, and then what do you do? You do a little more work, which creates a little stronger belief and faith, and all of a sudden, you say, wait a second, now I'm going to take a little uh, leap of faith and do a little more, and before you know it, you built up, conf uh, uh, up some confidence to go conquer that thing in your life that you're believing for. So you might not feel like it right now. You, know, you might not believe right now the physical transformation is possible, the mental uh, state you're in. You might be depressed, oppressed. Man, the job promotion you might have been believing for, you didn't get. You might be being beat up in your relationships financially. Man, we want to encourage you today. Say, you know what? I'm not going to go by how I feel. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to start to see myself on the other side. I'm going to take crazy, ridiculous action. I'm going to show up and get in the gym. I'm going to show up and just love my wife a little more. I'm going to show up and just, you know, show up to the therapist. I'm going to show up and do something a little different than what I'm currently doing so I could get a different result. Man, we love you guys. You are the finest. You're the bravest. And before we do close up this podcast, we do have to talk a little about this amazing charity that you have, um, and you're the chairman of, Mr. Frazier. It's called the ATO. So talk to us a little about that. If there's uh, police officers listening right now, how can they be involved? What can we do to help? Man, we want to continue to spread the message of what the Dallas Police Association is doing over at the ATO. So talk to us, sir. Well, you know, the, the one thing is, is where it doesn't matter where you work. 
you know, it, it doesn't matter if you're in Tulsa or Oklahoma City or Dallas, Houston, doesn't matter. Policing's policing. Police officers are all going to have the same issues. And like when I started this, uh, the podcast, I, I said, you know, we're, we're unique individuals. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's no one else like us uh, in, in, in our area, not even the military. And, and because the military guys, and they'll tell you, because we've got a ton on the department, there's so much downtime. And they, and they say, when, you know, the police, there's no downtime. So our stress levels is, is just, is, and you do it, and you do this for years and years and years. You know, you, for 30 years, most of, most, I don't know what our national average is, and I, I probably should know that, but I don't. But, you know, I, I'm going to go on a limb and say that it's over 20. Uh, because officers see that that's where you can get in and, and, and finally have something, an afterlife, uh, because that's usually our, our first our earliest retirement age. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and i got to briefly talk about this, because I just had to testify it in front of our the state capitol the other day, is that we had a bill that was up by a, by a, a new representative out of Houston. Uh, Jarvis Johnson's his name. A really nice guy. But I think somebody brought him a bill that they wanted to try to get him to pass, and and one it was over physical fitness for officers, and and I testified actually against the bill, and the reason why I did, and I had to explain to him, is that if you if you recreate that bill, and you have a little department and they want to use that as a crutch to get rid of somebody, they will because cities will abuse their power, and and if you have an officer in, in a big agency, they need to get rid of him. And this would be another way to get rid of him. Wow. Well, we barely can freaking get higher, higher officers. So we're already at uh, 201 officers gone for this year that have left the department in Dallas. And we have another 39 that are sitting in the retirement hopper. Uh, so they're, they're estimating that we're going to come close uh, to 500 officers total le- leaving for this for this year. Wow! Uh, and so, if you went in, you may, passed a state mandated bill to to act, it's for these officers to have to go through this training. Well, you're really eliminating the. Like I said, you may look at that guy and say, "Yeah, he can't get me." He, I, I I challenge you. I shouldn't say challenge you. I bet I beg to differ with that. And because that officer, he's got a lot of skills and that mind of his, what he knows, that, that institutional knowledge of what he could do uh, on that department, especially just knowing the house rules of everything that we deal with, uh, of how a city is structured or the department structure, that, that's, it's almost, you, it takes years of knowledge to figure all that out. Uh, and so, so this is the argument I got into during the, during the discussion of the testimony. And the, the, he was like, why do you think the military can do it? And I said, what's the average lifespan of somebody being in the military? And the, 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 the representative that was up there said, I have no idea. And I said, well, I guarantee you that it's way shorter than the lifespan of an officer. And what I meant by the lifespan, the career span, I shouldn't say lifespan, but the career span. I can guarantee if we went back and looked at numbers, I said career spans between the two, they're much different. One's going to be much longer and stressful than the other one. And that's where you come into the situations of us having to help each other. And for those that are out there listening that are in the, the towns that don't have 
something like we do. This is something you can take on yourself. And, and it's, and it is it a lot of work. It's an enormous amount of work. I'm sitting here right now writing a stack of checks for officers and others that have been injured. And I do this on my off time when I'm in here to take care of those guys. Cause I know that they're depending on this. They need it. Yeah. Their families need it. And I want to make sure that if we're raising the money, then we need to be pushing that money right back out. I just helped Fort Worth get theirs up and started. They started an ATO just like ours. And it's going there. They were tired of not having a vehicle to help their own. Wow. And we were and we were constantly coming over there helping them with an officer's getting killed, officers getting shot, officers uh, lo- losing a daughter in uh, and, and a tragic accident, uh, a wife having cancer. You know, the officer's got to take off and take care of her. Well, it that becomes a challenge, right? Yeah. So it's like ch- a challenge for all of us to, man, when your partner's, your partner's sick or, you know, something's happened to him or his family's happened to him, and you're sitting there and you want to just take your, you want to take that hat and pass it around the detail room. Well, that's all nice, but it only gives you so much money. It's not sustainable. Yeah. And, and so when we created this, uh, we knew that this is a vehicle uh, that can take our officers and their families down the road if needed. And, and then not only that, we've, we've moved it on to where we're helping outside agencies. I've got an officer in here uh, from Cockrell Hill that we're about to help, and i got another officer in here from Corinth, Texas, that we're about oh. to help. So we're, we've, we've expanded it because of the fundraising efforts have been there. Uh, the people, we have businesses that believe in us, what we do, uh, and they, they want to make sure that they, this organization has been vetted over and over and over. Our books are up to date. They know that we don't have any employees, and we know that the police association picks up the tab for all the little upkeep it needs. Wow! Uh, and so we, that's how we run it. And that's ATO, the Assist the Officer Foundation, uh, Mr. Fraser. How could they get in touch with you? And you guys have a website for that, or what's the easiest yep. way to get in touch? There's with you? the best way on there is go to the website. My information is all on there. I'm constantly getting messages from folks across the country. Uh, help the guy out in Kansas, and I know Canada is looking at uh, starting a starting something like ours, and it doesn't have to be called the same as ours. They all do the same function. You can, you know, it'd be called whatever your your department's name is. But what's but that? What's the, that website? Uh, atodallas.org. Atodallas.org. The Assist the Officer Foundation, and and here's what I want to end on really quick, and I'm going to give you the last word is what you said is important for a lot of first responders to hear because I think there's a lot of mixed emotions on what you said in making fitness a mandate and how's that all work. And, man, we're going to – I mean, we, were gonna, we might be short 500 officers in Dallas. I mean, we don't want to have any obstacles besides that. I, I think here's the coolest thing about FFR and what we've done in Tulsa, and you just validated that for me. So we never mandated anything in Tulsa. In Tulsa, where we started, Oklahoma, we said, what can we do to get first responders motivated and inspired? We went into the agencies, the agencies, departments, and this is a nonprofit, so we don't charge the first responder to do this. And if, say, we came into Dallas, I'd come to Dallas and I'd say, all right, here's what I need, Fraser. I just need to have access to each squad meeting where you and me can go in and I can cast the vision of what fit for duty and fit for life is. Once I'm done there, I promise you, I'll have people inspired and motivated to take action. They then will voluntarily have one piece of paper sheet where they'll sign up for free for FFROnline.tv. 
Now, FFRonline.tv, every single day, that's the nonprofit online version side of it, where that first responder then is delivered all of the workouts of the day for all different fitness levels and abilities, live streaming. They're also delivered the mental conditioning from myself and our therapist. They're also delivered the dietitian, the nutrition coaching. Then they have combative training. Then we have uh, chaplains on there. We have dietitians. We have everything you need right on there, the personal development curriculum. So first responders from the agency or the department are logging in, not because Frederick Fraser said you have to and I'm your leadership because I willingly want to. And now we're seeing all over our nation, first responders getting on FFRonline.tv, willingly, voluntarily, every single day logging on. And a lot of it's for the community, man, which is really cool because I know that 9-11 changed everything. I mean, it's no longer police and fire. It's first responders. It's one big family of individuals that are fighting for the same mission with the same vision. That's to keep our city streets safe. So I think what you said just validates that. We didn't have to go into Tulsa making a mandate. We just cast a vision, and the chief of police said, man, I know my people need this uh, you know, personal development side of it, the fitness. Let's do this. By casting a vision, man, we have so many first responders throughout our nation signed up for free every single day, logging on, doing their part. So I'm a big believer in what you said. I think if you do things right as an agency and department, and you cast a vision, you provide the tools, and that's all we're doing, you don't need to make a mandate. Guys will do it on their own, but a lot of guys just lost the zeal. They lost the fire, and that's where we come in and say, let's bring that fire back. Let's get this guy motivated again, not only to be a great police officer, but to be his best on and off the job. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense, and that's, and that's the thing. When you mandate something for somebody, it, it sends a different signal, and it's, it's no different than, you know, we have to take the state – state training every year or every two years and the guys i mean i mean we all hate it and and they take it like i mean it's just they don't do it like they i mean like you don't put your all into it and and that's the thing when when you when you're inspired to do something you put your all exactly when you're when you're mandated to do it well come on yeah exactly it's it's I'd be like, yeah, whatever. Exactly. And they're, they're going to, I'm, I got to go out there and catch a murder, murder suspect, but you're going to, you're going to mandate me to do these 10 push ups or whatever the hell you're going to say. So they're not going to take it seriously. Yeah. And, and that's the, that's the thing that we have to watch out for is because of, of the, what you're asking for these grown ups. Exactly. These grown, these grown men that are doing jobs that no one else wants to do. You better be careful because uh, these are the folks that are taking care of everybody. You're 100% right. And I'm going to send you a copy of my book, man, in the personal development curriculum when we get off. But again, you're listening to the Fit for Duty, Fit for Life podcast. This is Coach JC joined by Frederick Frazier. Frederick Frazier is a 21-year veteran with the Dallas Police Department and is currently the chairman and serving as the chairman of the Assist the Officer Foundation and Charity, A-T-O, Dallas.org. So, hey, as we wrap this up, Mr. Frederick Fraser, any closing words for the first responders listening today? No, I mean, they all know, you know, you can, they all know where we all come from. We all are, are the same cloth. And uh, what we do is, is, a, is a thankless job. Uh, 90% of the time when you're in a locked room, it's negativity. Or you're in a detail, a negativity. When you get out on the street, negativity. And it's 
it, you go to a call, negativity. It's, it never, it, it's all the same. And it becomes a frustrating point, boiling point. Uh, the one thing that a chief told me a long time ago, and it's always resonated with me, is make time for you. That's right. And, and if you can't find that, then you need to figure out how to. And this job will always be there. They'll always need you. They'll always have another call, another call, and another door to kick in, and another place to go. But you got to separate that sometimes and figure out how to do that. And that family that you have that's sitting on the sidelines sometimes, you need to figure out how to register with them again. How to, and, if you, and if you can't do it on, by yourself, figure out a way to get the help or to find out somebody that's gone through that help that has helped them get back on track. We're not broken. We just get bent a little bit. And, and, that's, and that's the thing you just got to remember. Everyone's going to have a bad day. We've, we all have arrested those guys, right? They've all had a bad day. Some of these ding-dongs have had bad days their whole life, and it's just continuous bad days. But as officers, we can have a bad day as well, but we just need to pick ourselves up and make sure that we're keeping an eye on each other. Come on. That's a good word. Once again, that's Frederick Frazier of the Dallas Police Department. Man, sir, we appreciate your time. Man, we honor you right now. We thank you for all that you do, for being one of our nation's heroes, our servants, one of the finest, one of the bravest. We honor you and we thank you for investing into the lives of our nation's finest and bravest here at FFRonline.tv and the Fit for Duty, Fit for Life podcast. To all of our listeners, man, we just want to thank you today for tuning in. Don't forget, you can send your questions to me directly at JC at Fit firstresponders.org again that's jc at fitfirstresponders.org if it's your first time listening get over to ffronline.tv and get your 20 day trial right now see if this is something that you'd enjoy to have all the all the tools you need to be fit for duty and ultimately fit for life well as we wrap this up you know what time it is it is time to honor those that deserve to be honored and it is time to recognize those that deserve to be recognized. So all of our law enforcement out there, our police officers, we thank you from the bottom of our heart for all you do, and we honor and recognize you. Our firefighters, we thank you, we recognize you. Our medics and our National Guard and military. To all of our first responders, thank you for all that you do. And I want to remind you one last time that you are fit for duty, and you are fit for life. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind. Welcome to Fit for Duty, Fit for Life. My name is Coach JC, and I am your coach. Each week, we bring you an inspiring, winning story, an empowering, motivating, winning word so that you can be your best and win more in life. Thank you for joining us today, and now it's time for you to be fit for duty and fit for life.